If you love chilling mysteries, unsolved cases, and a touch of mom-style humor, Moms and Mysteries is the podcast you've been searching for. Hey guys, I'm Mandy. And I'm Melissa. Join us every Tuesday for Moms and Mysteries, your gateway to gripping, well-researched true crime stories. Each week, we deep dive into a variety of mind-boggling cases as we shed light on everything from heists to whodunits. We're your go-to podcast for mysteries with a motherly touch. Subscribe now to Moms and Mysteries wherever you get your podcast. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. New York City. You've been here, right? Once or twice, maybe. Did you see a show? New York is the biggest city in all of America, and it's got big, big problems. We've got a new mayor. I'll tell you about him in a moment. But no matter where you live, a lot of people in your town, if they're liberal, uh, and every town, even if you're in a conservative town, 40%, 30%, they're liberal, and they read the New York Times. The New York Times is a hideously biased and woke paper. And it affects so much of American life, even though most of us don't read it, and for good reason. All right, I bring all this up to set the parameters of the big problem we have right now in New York that affects all of us potentially across the nation, this guy, the Biden of Brooklyn, our new mayor, Eric Adams. He's only been in office for about seven weeks. He's acting like he's the emperor. And oh, by the way, before we get into the details, you should know this. Eight million people or so live in New York. Of the eight million, only 3.16% voted for Eric Adams. And given our crazy system where the Democratic Party has complete power, he's the mayor. 200,000, something like that votes, and he's the mayor. Anyway, he's very disappointed very disappointed in all of us in the media. Uh, Look, I can't stand the fake news uh, either, but he's been getting some great press. Look, he's out of ideas. He doesn't have much in the way of knowledge. Seven weeks on the job. What else is there to do? The race card. We need to really stop distorting the news. You know, let me say this. And, you know, I'm not saying it out of hate. I'm saying it out of love. I'm a black man. That's the mayor. But my story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me. We got to be honest about that. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? How many blacks are determined how these stories are being written? Wow, he has a problem with all the white reporters, huh? He wants them to look like him. I think he feels the same way about the voters, or does he? By the way, there are more blacks, as he puts it, on those editorial boards than he thinks. And one of them, inexplicably in my opinion, the New York Post, actually endorsed this guy. They endorsed him enthusiastically. One of the craziest things I've ever seen from a usually fantastic newspaper. All right, so he's playing the race card in front of everybody. It was wild. 
I say that to all your owners of your papers, your editorials, diversify your newsroom so I can look out and see people that look like me. Look like me, look like me. The cheapest, rawest, dumbest thing I've ever heard. Hmm? What does he want them to be bald? No, he wants them to be black. And I think that's a horrible way to look at the world. Like I want everybody around me to be white. That would be racist. And this, this is racist. And it's a trick that mayors who are failing use. Like Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago, murder capital of the world. Remember this, when she will only give one-on-one interviews to journalists of color. Because after all, that's what's most important. Race, gender, sexuality. That's what defines us as human beings. Isn't that right, Mayor? As a one of a color, um, as a, a lesbian, it's important to me that diversity is put front and center. It's important for your constituents that safety, law and order be put front and center. And the same goes for here in New York. Now, uh, what Eric Adams, the mayor, wanted to talk about today was a big meeting he had up in Albany. He was very excited that he went to Albany and he met with some officials. Um, They talked about mm, various initiatives, you know, day to day stuff that politicians talk about. And he was upset the media didn't run with this kind of run of the mill story. And he was flabbergasted that everybody he was in the room with was black. And he's wondering why we're not impressed. People raised the issues that they had and we talked. Black mayor. Black speaker, black majority leader, coming together and talking to each other. Big deal. By the way, all those people, they're in the same party. It's not a big deal. Another problem we have here in New York, this guy, Eric Adams, is not smart, and now he has a lot of power. Okay, back to the racism. If you want to acknowledge or not, I have been doing a darn good job. And we just can't live in this alternate reality. (laughs) I was blown away when I picked up the papers today. Blown away. He was blown away because the coverage wasn't as positive as he thought he should be. Blown away. You know who's been blown away lately? Police officers. Six of them so far on his watch since he became mayor. And the two, the last two on the right, Officer Mora and Officer Rivera, shot and killed in Harlem on January 21st. And he says, blown away. And let's not forget young Miss Lee stalked and stabbed to death just the other day in her apartment by a career criminal. And this guy is complaining about his media coverage. All right. Well, what was the substance of what he wanted to get at? He chewed out the reporters, and then he says, I want to talk about this because it's important. Well, what's so important, Mr. Mayor? So today, we brought together this important group of people to talk about another piece of my administration. Our summer youth employment is crucial. We're reaffirming uh, our commitment to our young people in the city of New York. Summer youth employment. You know who came up with this? Franklin Delano Roosevelt about 80 years ago. 
<laughs> Did you catch that word? He's reaffirming. Why aren't we talking about his half-baked, old, ineffective idea? Because it's half-baked, it's old, and it's ineffective. You want to see how half-baked it is? His incompetent predecessor was touting it just uh, eight months ago. The Summer Youth Anti-Violence Employment Effort. This has been an effort to ensure that young people who are at risk uh, get opportunities for summer youth employment, get steered in the right direction. Oh, fantastic. Um, did these gentlemen realize that crime happens when it's cold <laughs> as well? They're all talking about the summer, uh, but this stuff has happened very recently. Armed robberies in the cold. They're wearing their heavy jackets. They're always talking about that summer youth program, uh, the jobs program. It's going to fix everything. All right. Back to the Biden of Brooklyn. So this new initiative, you know, employing kids this summer for six weeks, it's not just about giving them a job. It's about giving them a chance to complain about victimization from those. Yep. White supremacists. What we want to accomplish is to make sure that at the end of the program, that these young people, number one, they expose. Uh, number two, that they are meeting other young people to start cohorts. Uh, we want to look into how do we deal with increasing hate crimes by allowing them to talk to each other and talk about their own personal experiences. Yes, let's get those young men of color together to talk about hate crimes from those white supremacists and uh, the hate crimes that are happening in this city right now primarily are against Asian people. And I mentioned Miss Lee. She was stalked by a career criminal who happened to be black, probably mentally disturbed. We don't know the motivations, if any, seems to qualify as a hate crime. Let's be real here, all right? This is happening. Uh, our mayor is living in fantasy land. As a matter of fact, the Biden of Brooklyn, everything he said today, it kind of reminded me of this, calling out the media this way. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Right? I mean, the Biden of Brooklyn, it kind of makes sense. And he's so into being mayor, but not actually doing the job of mayor. Take a look. This is what I mean. Uh, who goes around like this? I mean, is he Tom Selleck? What's going on? And this is his little slogan. Everything about you must say power. All right. He's into the swagger. And by the way, the Biden of Brooklyn, I didn't make that up. <laughs> he actually calls himself that. He does. This is a great city and I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. There is a reason they call me the Biden of Brooklyn. <laughs> Okay, I'll call you the Biden of Brooklyn because you're not very good at talking and you're pretty dumb, just like <laughs> Joe Biden. Sorry, it's true. All right, back to that uh, meeting today when he was scolding the reporters. And boy, oh boy, he really was chewing them out, shaming them for being who they are. Uh, and he dropped the word that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty dangerous one. If you say this in HR, human resources, they have to listen to what you're saying. This was some sort of weird warning shot from our very unusual mayor. Based on the prisms that we have, based on the prism of this young man, based on the prism of being the first black woman, that's the speaker, or Jamani Williams, based on the prisms of his realities, it's not what we're getting. That's not what we're getting. And that's why I'm covered the way I'm covered. <laughs> 
And I'm not comfortable with it. He's not comfortable. You go into HR, you say you're not comfortable with how somebody is treating you. You know what? You often get results. You get change. You get somebody in trouble. And when he was talking to those reporters, and I looked through the room, and there were white reporters. You know what? All this virtue signaling, all this shaming, all this you don't know what it's like to be black rhetoric, it actually worked. It actually worked. The reporters were intimidated, and they asked weak questions about that silly summer jobs program. Um, we need to be very, very aggressive because if we push him, who knows, maybe he'll muster whatever little bit of talent and ability he might possess into doing some good for the community and not just looking like a sharp dude. So how many grandchildren does Joe Biden have? Uh, he has more than he acknowledges, yup. An illegitimate grandchild, we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. Here All I, I can, can say... Is, is that, that the fake news just doesn't, doesn't get, get it? Do I know I'm losing the impression, but uh, I'll work on it. So the fake news doesn't get it, but the American people, we get it. Of course we do. I had a very compelling lesson in this a couple of years ago at a Christmas party. Uh, it was December of 2019, and there were all kinds of people there. No politicians, though, and no media. And something interesting happened. We talked about, well, sports, family, uh, TV shows, uh, stupid stuff, nice stuff, you know, whatever. Nobody talked about the impeachment of Donald Trump, which was happening at that very moment. On December 19th of 2019, he was being impeached. And not one person at this party was talking about it. Now, why is that? I have a theory. People understand when they saw that parade of witnesses, if they were watching, because a lot of this stuff was on during the day when people are working. Anyway, they just knew that this did not add up, that this was, they were overdoing it. And Donald Trump did nothing wrong. And also we saw that he was fighting for people, for us, every single day. So people didn't care that he was impeached. They knew just in their guts that it was phony. But now, I tell you what, that it was phony. We want answers into that probe, Robert Mueller, and what he did, wasting our time and that money and potentially sabotaging the presidency of Donald Trump. We should have answers. And uh, well, looks like we're getting them. But the New York Times is throwing up <laughs> all kinds of, I call them false red flags false red flag. So the New York Times, they're designated to push back on the new uh, Durham 
developments. And this is how they're trying to do it. You heard about the uh, court filing started a furor in right wing outlets, but their uh, narrative is off track. Really? How is that? Well, the New York Times writes as follows. The filing never said the White House data that came under scrutiny was from the Trump era. Hmm. Is that true? No, it's not. It's false. Let's look at the actual filing. Tech Executive One and his associates exploited this arrangement by mining the EOP. That's Executive Office of the President's DNS traffic, Internet traffic and other data for the purpose of gathering derogatory information about Trump. Okay, now, clearly they're talking about the Trump era right there when he's president. Are they trying to say they looked at Barack Obama's computer systems to find derogatory information about Donald Trump that doesn't make sense. You can put them up side by side. The New York Times is totally mischaracterizing that. And everybody now is quoting the New York Times. Oh, the New York Times says that this is bogus. No, it's not bogus. It's real. And it looks like we'll have our day in court. Hopefully, back to the uh, filing from Durham. According to the document, it says that tech executive number one, they were exploiting Internet traffic at Trump Tower, another Trump building in New York City. And yes, the executive office of the president of the United States, that tech executive uh, had access to a lot of stuff. And now the tech executive has come forward. He's identifying himself. His name is. Jaffe, Rodney Jaffe. And uh, according to him, a peculiar statement actually from his lawyer. Let's take a look at it, all right? Uh, It says, respected cybersecurity researchers were deeply concerned about the anomalies they found in the data and prepared a report of their findings, which was subsequently shared with the CIA. All right, there's a lot of vagueness in that, and it's deliberate. At this point, we know it all got to the CIA, but it got to that guy Sussman first, a lawyer who was getting paid by Hillary Clinton. Uh, Why was this guy doing this stuff? Did he break the law? How did he get the job? There's a lot here, and I hope we find out about it in court. I hope so. Remember, Attorney General Barr, can you imagine what would have happened if he fired Robert Mueller as he could have? As the attorney general, they would have had another impeachment. I mean, the country would have stopped. Now, if Merrick Garland, the current attorney general, chooses to fire John Durham, what's going to happen? Well, he's going to be applauded by the fake news. It's pretty amazing. The double standard. And by the way, how's this for audacity? The guy who was indicted, Sussman, for lying to the FBI, the guy we think was paid by Hillary Clinton, his lawyers say this, the superfluous factual background in the special counsel's motion is intended to further politicize this case, inflame media coverage, and taint the jury pool. Well, he doesn't have to worry about inflaming media. Uh, The media have barely been paying attention, and we have it every day. His story first broke on Saturday, the big Sunday political shows. Absolutely no mention. Monday night, the big major network evening news shows. Absolutely no mention. And it continues Tuesday night. Absolutely no mention. Now, the fake news, they play a little game here. Now, they don't talk about it, but they'll tuck a little story on their website. Oh, yes, we covered it. It's on our website. Yes, uh, Tom Winter, he filed a story about it. NBC News, it's right there. Well, try going to the NBC website. I went once in my life, and this is what I saw, all right? 
Kelly Clarkson crap, all right? Good for Kelly Clarkson, but that's what you see on the website. You don't see the little story down there about this thing that they want to bury. And so does the White House, by the way. Durham says there was an outside company with ties to the Clinton camp. Uh, monitoring server data info on the executive office of the president through the Obama administration, possibly into the Trump administration. Uh, do you know if there's still a system picking up server data on the EOP, and if not, when it stopped? Again, I, I know you asked my colleague a few questions about this the other day, uh, but I would point you any questions about this to the Department of Justice. And then is what was described in the, the filing there, monitoring Internet traffic, is that, generally speaking, would that be considered something Along the lines of spying. Again, I would point you to the Department of Justice. Go ahead. Yeah, just another day at the office. No crisis mentality. No one's under siege. Just, yeah, no problem. Call them down the block. Uh, I'll give you their number. Uh, Hillary Clinton, by the way, I think this is interesting. She tweeted a link to a Vanity Fair fake news story. They tried to downplay the whole thing and say, yes, yes. Oh, no, this had nothing to do with Trump. It's all fake news. No, they're vulnerable, but they are protected by the media and maybe Merrick Garland. We'll see. Hey, stay with us. Tara Reid, do you remember her? She accused Joe Biden. She's accusing Joe Biden of sexual assault. She worked for him. She can establish where she was and she's never received adequate attention for her very serious accusations. We'll be right back. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Hey, a new app is coming. Truth Social It's from Donald Trump, from the Trump Media Technology Group, a new venture. And it looks a lot like Twitter, but better. Conservative friendly, no censorship, huh? It's going to launch on February 21st. You can go to the App Store and download it, but uh, it's a soft download. You can kind of like reserve it, I guess, but you can't actually get it into your phone yet. Um, They posted this. Donald Trump Jr. did a little peek. Obviously, they have access to it. Donald J. Trump, get ready. Your favorite president will see you soon on Truth Social. This sounds outstanding. Quite frankly, I've had it with Twitter, all the head games they play and the algorithms. I don't like it anymore. I'm very much looking forward to this. February 21st should be great. All right. Now, how many grandkids does Joe Biden have? Huh? How many? Take a guess. Let's ask Joe himself. How many of you have been unable to hug your grandkids in the last seven months? I got six of them. Six. Did you hear that? I heard six, right? Six grandkids. Let's take a look at some of those grandkids. Hey, I hate to do this, Joe, but uh, look, you're a public figure. You knew this was coming. And uh, I think you should acknowledge all your grandkids and make sure you have stockings for all of your grandkids because you don't have six. You have seven. This is where Hunter comes in, Hunter Biden. We all know he had a very active, uh, troubled life for a long time, but we hope he's gotten it all straightened out. But he made a friend in Washington, D.C. at a club. Her name is uh, uh, London Roberts, and here they are together. Well, two pictures of them not together. That's the whole point. Uh, She got pregnant. He would not acknowledge that it was his. She had to 
drag him to court. Ultimately, paternity was established. And Hunter has a child, and Joe has a grandchild, and here is <laughs> mother and child uh, out in the field somewhere. By the way, the mother, London, was in court, federal court recently. She's not in trouble, but they had all kinds of questions for her about Hunter. Biden's London Roberts testifies before a federal grand jury investigating his murky finances and business deals with China in top secret three-year probe. Yeah, that's, that's still happening. I really find it sad and baffling that Joe, given his resources and Hunt, would not acknowledge this child. But this family has done some very strange things. Like when Hunter got mixed up with Haley, the wife of his dead brother, right? They were a couple for a while. Now, in any normal family, this would be a scandal, right? Because it is, it's scandalous. I mean, this is just not done. But when it became public, what did Joe and Jill Biden say about this? They celebrated. We are all lucky that Hunter and Haley found each other as they were putting their lives together again after such sadness. They have mine and Jill's full and complete support and we are happy for them. Were they really happy? Come on, this is about the worst news you can ever get. And they, they spun it. That's what they do, I guess, career politicians. Okay, got to talk to you about this matter. You know about Joy Reid. She had this young man on her show. His name is Quintez. And uh, nice looking guy, but looks like he's a bad dude. We'll get to the bad dude part in a moment. He was 17 when he showed up on Joy Reid's show. An activist on campus, didn't like guns, didn't like Republicans, really working hard for Democrats. And joining me now is Quintez Brown, president of the Black Student Union at DuPont Manual. It's very hard to feel safe at school, but where I come from, it's, I feel less safe in my community. And so, like, I love how the emphasis is, it's like, this isn't a school safety issue, like, yeah. this is a school safety issue, this is a gun violence issue, because gun violence does not affect schools, but communities, churches, clubs, everywhere. Yep. So, at school, and it's very hard to feel safe now, because it's like a war zone. Are, are you hearing back from the politicians in your state? Have you started to hear from them? Not from the Republicans. Yeah. John Yarmouth has been a great supporter of us, but yeah. McConnell, where you at? We won't common sense gun reform. And if you're not going to give us that, then we're going to get everyone out here to vote and we're going to vote you out of office. So if you want to keep your job, yeah. then, you know, give us what we not what we want, but what we need, what humans need. We need yeah. common sense gun reform. Get rid of assault rifles. All right. So fast forward four years, this Black Lives Matter activist is alleged to have shot up the office of a candidate for mayor in Louisville. Just went like crazy with a gun, shot the guy five times, allegedly. And he's in a lot of trouble right now. It's just kind of wild, right? All the things he said he was against and Joy Reid facilitating him every step of the way. And oh yeah, more from Joy Reid. There's something shameful about it in a way that teenagers have to instruct adults on how to protect them. It is our job as adults to protect you. Uh, and the fact that students have to come out here and demand it, it is sort of sad. The teenagers are teaching the adults and hopefully we are all listening and absorbing and learning. All right. Well, not learning from uh, Quintez Brown, right? Joy Reid. Ooh, she and that show have a lot of problems. We will be right back with Tara Reid. She accused Joe Biden of sexual assault back when she was working for him.
a liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. You remember the horrendous mess of our withdrawal from Afghanistan. It was humiliating, and we let down we let down America, we let down Afghanistan, all those people, by the way, who helped us, some are still there. We left a lot of people back, and we probably took many from Afghanistan who shouldn't be here right now. I'd like to bring in Matt Nelson, board member of Save Our Allies. He's a former United States Marine, held the rank of major. He served as a ground combat intelligence officer, and he is the currently chief operating officer of RMS. It's a global security firm. He's in Abu Dhabi right now, a lot closer to Afghanistan than we are. Matt Nelson, welcome. How many people are still in Afghanistan that we need to get out, and who are they? Well, my our best estimate is probably we have a list of about 50,000 that are actively being tracked that need to get out. And these are our allies. These are the, the people who actually fought and bled right beside us. Uh, we have family members uh, of active duty U.S. military. I've got I'm tracking about 70 families of Marines, uh, airmen, soldiers who are still in Afghanistan. We've got ethnic Hazara who are being prosecuted, persecuted left and right, uh, female political leaders, national level intelligence assets, you name it, the list is very long. We want to take those who genuinely helped us, who we owe that to, but I mean, we can't take 50,000, right? We've already taken tens of thousands. How are you gonna prioritize? Well, put that aside for a moment. How are you getting them out right now? Is a Taliban cooperating with you? What's happening? Uh, yeah, no, uh, Taliban is not cooperating. Uh, Department of State is not cooperating. So we'll put both of those on the side. What we're doing is this is a, a, a groundswell. It's a movement of veterans just like myself who have put together resources, who know people on the ground, uh, who have done a Herculean task of uh, raising funds to pay privately for jets uh, to fly in and out of Afghanistan and bordering countries. We've got a network of safe houses all throughout Afghanistan and the bordering countries. We have the ability to move. We have medical networks that have been established. We have immigration attorneys that are needed are, that are trying to help. So it's it's a big task, and and we're moving a lot of folks. And that's why I'm over in Abu Dhabi right now. We're staging up to go in and remove. Uh, evacuate 197 very high value targets that are that are still on the ground. You said the State Department, the Biden State Department is not helping you. Let's talk about Joe Biden. Uh, I mean, they may not be helping you. They must have told you something. You're over there right now. What is their position on all of this? They, they haven't told us anything. So we, we I, I was unique in the beginning of this operation. I got the chance to go up to the Pentagon. I sat in uh, the Pentagon with uh, Scott Mann from uh, Task Force Pineapple. Uh, and we had a conversation with General Milley and his staff. Uh, we then were had uh, the opportunity to speak with folks at the Department of State. They created uh, you know, an evacuation network that was supposed to partner with uh, the civilian side. And this has done little on our side to help anybody except for the, the documented Americans with, thank God, we got, we're getting all of them out, the uh, green card holders 
and some of the SIV recipients. Um, the biggest issue is like those who are eligible for those SIVs. Uh, right now, the Department of State has only cleared those who have applied for SIVs up to August 28th. So anyone who's applied for an SIV who deserves to come over here and help us uh, has has not been approved at all since since the fall of HKI. Well, you know, President Trump has reservations about these folks coming back as well. 50,000 is a lot. Realistically, realistically, how many? And 50,000, how much is our commitment? What were they promised? Were they specifically promised American citizenship? I know some of those folks risked their lives for us, but 50,000 is an awful lot. Can you pare that number down or is that what you're sticking with? No, I mean, the, the number is considerably smaller on the people that we actually believe uh, can get out and will get out. So that that list is just people who've reached out to us and who have a connection to us one way or the other. The folks we're primarily trying to get out are are usually direct contacts with, with active duty service members, the ANA Special Operations Forces, who, if they turn, you know, they're going to be a, a problem for our country. ANA, um, NDS uh, intelligence assets who have access to methods and means. Uh, these are people we're, we're, we don't want the Iranians, the Pakistanis, the Afghanis, anyone to roll them up. So these are really high value, you know, folks that we're talking about moving. Well, Joe Biden knows of any nothing, nothing at all. He was asked about that military report where all chaos was chaos was reigning and during our withdrawal. And Joe Biden did not have a clue. No one told him. Right. Take a look. It wasn't just 2000, 4000. We would have to significantly increase the number of troops and we were back in this this war of attrition. And it, and there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine, I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. Well, he's a confused guy. Final thoughts and what can people do? How can they help if they want to help? Maybe they should learn more information first. But, uh, Matt, what can they do? Well, we, what we'd like them to do is, uh, you know, reach out to us at SaveOurAllies.org. Uh, take a look at the what we have done so far and what we're trying to do. We're not trying to save everybody. We're trying to save the most those people who are really deserving to be saved. I got into this in the beginning on just to, to help out a dear friend of mine. She's a, a, a journalist who covered the Taliban and their prosecution. And uh, she's she's got a mark on her head. And so by getting her out and getting, you know, generals and other deserving people out, that's that's been our you know, unrelenting role since the 15th of August when we started to see all this uh, rolling out. Matt Nelson, Marine, thank you so much. Excuse Ross, me. Semper Fi. You bet. Semper Fi, board member of SaveOurAllies.org. Check it out. We'll be right back. Joe Biden in the early 1990s, right around this time, Joe Biden, well, he's alleged to have sexually assaulted a woman. It's true. Have you heard about this? Probably not. The mainstream media has given this scant attention. But you will remember when Christine Blasey Ford made her allegation against Judge Kavanaugh at the time, wall-to-wall coverage for what, two, three weeks? The whole country stopped and watched those hearings. Well, 
It's not fair that Tara Reid has made very serious allegations against Joe Biden, and very few people have heard the story. But that is starting to change. Tara Reid joins us once again. Uh, she has a new podcast and a book. Tara, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me. You Thank bet. You. First question. You allege that uh, Joe Biden sexually assaulted you while you were working for him as an aide on Capitol Hill. You see Joe Biden, if you're you know, alive in America, you see him probably five times a day on the news and you know, it's hard to avoid. How is that? What is that like when you see somebody you believe actually assaulted you on television all the time? Well, as you know, from our conversations previously, um, it's it's really been difficult time for me because it's not just seeing him, his machine, his political machine weaponized by the Democratic Party um, elites has been coming after me. Um, they destroyed my reputation um, online with social media trolls, with using corporate media like New York Times, Washington Post, AP, and they made quite a coordinated attack on my personal life, character, whatever, even making up lies as far as that goes. And it's been quite harrowing for almost three years now. And um, calling me a Russian agent because I have a dissenting view and I'm anti-war, you know, so of course anyone who dissents from the Democratic Party, including, you know, Donald Trump, including Tulsi Gabbard, um, who served our country and and is still serving in the National Guard and was a member of Congress. They accused her of being a Russian asset. So it's like the Democrats' new new thing to just accuse anyone who disagrees. Um, and what I want to say to other citizens is I'm just a regular person. I was a staffer with a sincere you know, wish to do public service. I had respected Joe Biden. He sexually harassed me and sexually assaulted me. I went through protocol and tried to report it. And so what I would say to other citizens is no one should be allowed to be so powerful. They can weaponize the media and resources against a person. It's not okay. There is uh, corroborating uh, information, evidence, backing up elements of your story. Your mother made a phone call to Larry King. You told friends in the early 90s about what happened. Um, and you have more evidence than Christine Blasey Ford. I would like everybody to check out your podcast, The Politics of Survival, and also your book, Left Out, When the Truth Doesn't Fit In. Um, Tara, I thank you for joining us once again. Your story is an important one. I'm sorry you're being harassed all over again, it seems. That's okay. Uh, you know what? I think it's really important, Greg, because you're a Marine and you know that right now Biden's numbers are quite low. And so what is he trying to do? He's trying to get us into a war that will cost millions of lives, maybe. And it's not OK. And um, one out of eight Americans do not want a war with Russia. And we do not want that kind of propaganda weaponized at U.S. citizens that's happened, you know, to the likes of Tulsi Gabbard and others that have sp spoken up and spoken against the corruption. All right. Tara Reid, thank you very much to be continued. Good luck. And we'll be right back. Well, I'm sorry we're out of time. A lot of fun. Interesting show. We'll see you tomorrow. Stinchfield's next.